But what a ble- what a message in that in that Luke two story. Amen. And I want to talk just a little bit about it tonight. Kind of go a little different direction. You might think I would, but you know we preach on Christmas this time of year and and all that, and we need to make sure we have the Lord uh, in His place during this time. It's his birthday, amen, and nobody really knows when it is. They really don't know, but the shepherds are uh, watching their flock by night in Israel. Probably didn't happen on December 25th. We're probably figuring that, but we understand, amen. Hey, I'm, I'm for any time. It, 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 how, how many of y'all look like getting out of school? You young people, don't be act like you're all spiritual. You don't want to go to school. Hey, how many of y'all, got, how many of y'all teachers like being out of school, man? You deserve it more than the kids ever thought about doing it. And you guys, y'all take a day off work. You'll take that, amen? Hey, listen, I, I like everything about it. It's just pretty much. But I want you to look at this story, and I want to point out just one thing and use it just kind of as a, a thought tonight. And look at it, Luke 2, and notice what they gave you. The scripture there in Luke 2, and uh, I can't say it like they did, I promise you that, but look at Luke 2, and notice, I want you to notice this, a couple of things here, just just the way of introduction, and notice Luke chapter 2, and it says, and in um, Luke chapter 2, 7, she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And then notice that in verse 8, Luke 2, 8, they were in the same country. Notice that word country. Huh. Shepherds. Country shepherds. Abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Notice that our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, when you look at it close, he was born in a city. He was born in a city. It's called the city of David, who was an outdoorsman. Hey, hey, listen to me. He was, a, he was born in a city, but it wasn't a big city. It, he was a small town boy. Amen? I already like him, and you should do. He can relate to you if you live in flyover country. And you, you drive a pickup truck. He would fit right in with you. Listen to me. In, the, in Scripture, the Lord talks about the Christian life being like, he compares it to fishing and to fighting and to farming. The Christian life, so much of what he talked about was the illustrations he gave are along those lines. All that stuff is done outdoors. Every bit of it. Listen close. And here he's born in a city, but it's a tiny city. It's the smallest town you ever heard of. It says in Micah 5.2, Jesus Christ is the only person on God's green earth that was, if you read those scriptures, he was, uh, as, old, he was as old as his father and he was older than his mother. Huh? Amen. Right. He was. And he says, before Abraham was, I am. That may not sound like good English, but he can say it. He, he, he invented language. He can say whatever he, how he wants it. Hey, he was around way before, I, before Mary was. Listen to me. And, and, and he was the only person in all history that, that had his birth certificate written 700 years before he was born. 
700 years in Micah 5, 2. But thou Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be least among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come that will be governor and ruler of my people. Huh? Hey, listen to me. It, it, it predicted what city he was going to be born in. The Savior was going to be born in. And he said, you're in the smallest town. He's going to come out of the smallest town in, in, the, in, in the state of Judah. It'd be like your state and your city. It'd be the smallest town in your state. Now, back where we come from in Arkansas, we just moved to Alabama, so I hadn't found all about it that much yet. But in Arkansas, we got bragging rights on the names of the towns. We absolutely do. I mean, there's, <laughs> there, there's uh, Turkey Scratch, Arkansas. There is, there is listen to me. Y'all live next to, there's a city in Tennessee called Bucksnort, Tennessee. And Duckback, that's the name of it. I don't know if you want to live in that. Y'all, y'all live in the you know an up, 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 uptown state, Kentucky, and what doesn't have any names on cities like that. But Arkansas has the name of a city called uh, Frognot. Frognot, Arkansas is the name of the town, Little B Town, and they put a sign up. They call it, and right up the road from Frognot. If that ain't bad enough, they got Toadsuck, Arkansas. That's the name of the town. Over there by Conway, you go down there, there, I live in Toadsuck. What about, what a name of a town. And, and then right up the road from that is Bald Knob, Arkansas. That's the name of the town. Our church where we were for 15 years, we, we moved our membership two months ago, but we hate leaving because it was, it was down to earth church. It was like a country church in the city. We were actually out in the county, but the city, the city really, it's in El Dorado, Arkansas, but the city that's closest to it, it's in the county, is, is uh, Smackover. Our, we got a, our house is in Smackover, or double-wide trailer where we live and got and stuff, and, and we, we kind of miss Smackover. And we tell invite people to come to our church, and you say, where's it at? It's on Smackover Highway. And you want to come there and hear some smack over preaching. Amen. That's a good name for an independent Baptist church. Y'all laugh at us because we're barefooted, redneck, bow-legged, buck teeth. And I know the jokes. They, they don't tell any jokes about people like that in Kentucky. But West Virginia and Arkansas, they're the old third world countries compared to y'all, right? Hey, listen, listen to me. Uh, small town. My dad started churches. He started seven churches in Texas. Nobody even knows his name, but his name was written in the book of life, and he got a lot of other people there. Amen. And he came out of J. Frank Norris's school in 1943, 44, 45, to where he met my mom. And he had churches in small town Texas. And he had churches in Beeville, in Lampasas. You ain't even ever heard of these towns. Burnett. And uh, Burnett, Texas. What was you called? Why would you call a town that? We, we lived in a, in a town uh, uh, called... Um, Right outside of Electra, where he started a big church, <laughs> he started. He'd get churches going. We'd live in the back of the church. Us, our family, we'd live and we'd remodel. It helped us because I can do I can do any kind of you know construction stuff there is. Now, I don't touch you know electric. Electric would be the last job I ever held on to, but I can most of the rest of it. Amen. And and uh, and, and 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 so uh, we there's a little town called Pidcoke. And, 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 and things like that. Hey, listen to me. The, um, he, he started ch churches in small. He'd get it going. We'd get a few tithing members and turn it over to a young preacher and go do it again. 
And those churches, five of them are still going on today. I like small town. I don't know about you. You ought, you ought to because you that's what our country's built on. Listen to me. Jesus was from small town, and he was born outdoors. I mean, really, oh, so he, 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 no, he had three, he had walls around him. No, he didn't. He only had three, maybe two. He was born outside. They stuck him in a barn. He was, you ever had said to your kids, what's the matter with you, son? Close that front door, man. You're letting all the, the cold air out. It's burning hot outside. Why don't you, or it's winter. Why don't you let the, you're letting the warm air out. What's the matter, son? You born in a barn? You ever said something like that to your boy? Jesus Christ was born in a barn. He was born outside. The Lord Jesus Christ was born outside, and the very first people that saw him, that were told about the birth of Christ, were, were, were guys. They were shepherds. It says they were in the same country. They were the closest people there, and they were out there. He is out there. I mean, why wouldn't you tell them? Because here's the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, and, and the great shepherd the good, that gives his life for the sheep. I mean, why wouldn't you? they be the first ones? They just thought they'd seen a few lambs born, but they had never they'd seen lambs, but not the lambs. The Lamb of God was about just been born, and and he was born in a barn. He was born in a stable. He sure was. He was born outside. He didn't even have four walls around him. And if you ever been in a barn, it don't smell good. All right, listen to me. Jesus Christ was born outside. When that that angel made a pulpit out of his cloud and came over there over top of that Judean hillside and made a sermon there to those shepherds and said, Fear not, for I knew you this day. I was born in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And just you'll find the babe wrapped in swat. When he gave that message, those guys, all of them were outdoors guys. It's funny how many people in the Old Testament were shepherds. The Lord likes that, that occupation for some reason. From the start all the way through, he liked shepherds for some reason. And I think he's pretty fond of lambs because that's what his yeah. son was, was the Lamb of God Amen. that God gave. Hey, are you listening to me? I feel some preaching rolling around. Yeah. I'm preaching a message tonight on this. The, 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 the country versus the city. The country versus, we need to hear this message here in America now. We maybe didn't used to, but we see the city folks are trying to knock us out. Right. Yeah. They're trying to mess us over, yep. and they're trying to eliminate us, and they're trying to take over this thing. Hey, listen to me. And, and, and uh, uh, one old guy said this. He said, God made the country and man made the city. And you could sure tell the difference in the two. This guy wrote, a guy named Walt Huntley, and he said, a dumb old country boy. I'm just a dumb old country boy that ain't so very smart. And when I I talk, I get mixed up. My gears are hard to start. It seems like I don't have many brains like other folks I know. And when it comes to society, my dumbness, there I show. I found it doesn't take brains, my friend, the best in life to gain. If it's not your wealth or what you are, prestige you might obtain. It only takes just simple faith, eternal life to find. I'm glad God made this easy. No matter who or where you stand, there's grace for all mankind. I went down to the jailhouse once to witness for the Lord and told them how the Lord saved me, and they sure looked mighty bored. They nudged each other and they smiled and they thought I was dumb. But they stayed in and I walked out when leaving time had come. I'm still a dumb old country boy. I hope I'll always be 
just dumb enough to trust the Lord for all eternity. And so I'll just keep traveling on, no brains and not too smart. I'm just a dumb old country boy with Jesus in my heart. Did you know Jesus was born outdoors? And you know, the first time the word city is mentioned in the Bible, look at Genesis 4. Notice when it is, Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. And it says the first time they call it the law of first mention, and you really got to learn to follow it because it's just a doctrine almost, that the first time something's mentioned in our King James Bible, it defines that word for the rest of the way. All right? And notice what it says here. It says, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, Genesis 4, 16, and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Listen, who's this Cain guy? Ab and Eve got in trouble for taking a bite of the forbidden fruit, but they about got just about as much trouble for raising Cain. The way that, boy, I mean, you talk about sibling rivalry. These two boys had it, Cain and Abel. They went into each other's throat from the time. Now, you're, none of your kids ever did that. Mine, oh, no, man, mine are angels. <laughs> I have to saw horns off of my kids every day. I mean, I do. And they, people say, your, your kids are, you've got some good kids. You don't know them. You don't live with them, huh? My kids are real good when they're asleep, but the problem is they never want to go sleep at night, amen? And so we got to work on them, got to work on them. It takes a little work. To be a good parent, you can't get you can't get too tired. You gotta stay with it and be consistent. And um, but they were having some problems. I mean, one of them got out, it got out of control. He didn't like that old time religion. That mom and dad that had that blood in it. He didn't like that 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 lamb sacrifice. But I like Abel. He said, uh, I'm going to need me a lamb. Mom and dad told me that story about how that lamb had to die, one for her and one for dad because of their sin. I ain't never seen them sin much. They don't know how bad I am. I'm going to need me a whole herd of them. I'm going to need I'm gonna need to go into the first guy to go into shepherd business. I'm going to need me a bunch of them for sacrifices. For, if they think they're bad, they don't know. I'm, I mean, me and Cain are on steroids when it comes to sin. And that boy at 10, 11, 12 years old already had figured out what his occupation needed to be. He's pretty smart on getting how to, how to get that, that, that sin to co- covered with that blood. And he bought, he got, he and God accepted his sacrifices and the fire fell when he offered that lamb and you can't get blood out of a turnip. God didn't accept. There wasn't no blood in in Cain's, Cain's sacrifice. And then you know what happened? Cain, his countenance fell. And then one day he, him and he's acting real, you gotta watch out when they get quiet, too quiet. You know, you think, man, something's up. The kids are, and Cain acted like he was real nice for a couple of days to his brother. He was just waiting for the perfect opportunity. Look over there. One of your sheep looked like they got away, Abel. And Abel turned his head, and he never turned back. Cain took a whole handle, I mean a, a, a hoe, and hit him in the back. I don't know what he killed him with. But he took him in and, and, and hit him in the back of the head and killed his own brother. Cold-blooded murder, man. I mean, you talk about sibling rivalry. They had it. You say, I'd never do something like that to my brother. I thought about it a few times. I never did kill my, torture my little brother. 
because I thought, I, I never did kill him because I thought I could torture him every day for the rest of his childhood. Amen? I, I was like that. None of y'all have ever been that way. Y'all are like nice, dignified, spiritual folks in here, aren't you? You never thought about doing anything mean to your brother or nothing. So this, this story does not relate, does it? <laughs> hey, listen to me. I know better. Hey, Cain killed his brother and then... And, 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 and took and went and buried his body in the sand, you know. And, and, he, and then when he got done, he took off his white bloody glove and got in his white Ford Bronco and, and headed for the border trying to get away. And, uh, you know, I mean, and you can, pull, you can pull the wool over your mom and dad's eyes. You may be able to get away with murder with them. You got them figured out. But you're not going to fool God. The Lord was waiting on him. So as he crossed that... He said, hey, Cain, slow down, son. You're in a hurry to go somewhere, aren't you? And uh, he, says, he says, where's Abel at? And he's smart. He's smart. Like he had, needed an attitude adjustment. He said, am I my brother's keeper? By the way, you are, if you read the rest of the Bible. And he said, let me just go ahead and tell you what <laughs> I'm already aware of. They got forensic evidence and stuff they're going to come up with in the 21st century. That They think they got all this surveillance and stuff. He said, I saw the whole thing. I saw you drop your brother. And I saw where you buried his body. I could tell anybody on planet Earth. I, I, he said, I could get, he said, you don't know what I know. And he said, I ought to drop you in your tracks. But I'm feeling nice today. And, you know, you're breaking rules before I even write them. It says in Genesis 9, 6, we're still in Genesis 4. Whoso sheds man blood, by man's blood shall he be shed. His, his, he be shed for the image of God created he man. You're so advanced and progressive. You're, you're so far ahead of the times. You're breaking the rules before I write them. And boy, all of a sudden, no, Cain getting quiet. And the Lord said, I'm going to put a mark on you. And I'm going to put a curse on you. And you're going to be a fugitive and a vagabond for the rest of your life. You're going to be a man on the run. But I'm not going to let them kill you for this because sin is not imputed where there is no law. It's not posted yet. And I don't believe that we ought to... He said, I didn't tell you you couldn't, shouldn't murder your brother. I figured you'd kind of figure that one out. And, and Cain left that little powwow. God did the powwowing. And Cain did the wowing. And when he left there... He still had a problem. He about tripped over his lip coming out of that little meeting. And his last time he was at the church was that, was that time when he met the Lord there. And he about tripped. He said, he said, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Are you kidding me? You're alive, man. Yeah, right. you, just, you, you just escaped. You should be dead. You killed your brother and God knows about it. And he could drop a dime on you. There's a million, billion ways he could kill you and drop you in your tracks. And he's showing mercy. He's going to let you live. And yeah, you're going to have to go through a little bit of punishment for it. But you're alive and breathing. In Lamentations 3, it says, Wherefore doth the living man complain a man for the punishment of his sins? And you know, Cain was, it's called the way of Cain. I, I deserve better. That's how you wind. That's called the way to hell yep. Amen. in the book of Jude. I deserve better. I think I deserve better. No, you don't. You deserve worse, and so do I. The first city that was built in history, the first time the word city shows up, and I'm not trying to be throwing off them. We spend all our time in cities. We live on the edge of town out in the county there in 
in Jackson, Alabama now. But uh, we, we, you're going to get center, reach centers. You got to get them in cities. Amen. That's where they're at. The first time it's mentioned is in 16, Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. That's where some of you are going to go when I hit 601. If I go past 6 o'clock, you're going to hit the land of Nod. Amen. I already know, so I'm going to hurry. Amen. We've got to get it done. The land, some of you are already headed there right now. He went to the land of Nod in the east of Eden, and Cain knew his wife, and she conceived in Berena, and he builded a city. And call the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. Now, a lot of people say, Cain didn't build the first city. Enoch built the first city. Because look what the verse says. No, read the whole verse. He named the, he named the city the first city. That's why people named cities, uh, you know, after people's names. It's, a, it's, it's historical. It's tradition. That's just the way the city deal goes. And so he named it after his son Enoch. But he built the city. Enoch didn't build the city. Cain built the city. The first city that's mentioned in Scripture, the first time the word city shows up in all of history, was by a cold-blooded killer. Hmm. I like the country. I like the country. God made the country. Man made the city. You can sure tell the difference in the two. I start looking at my Bible, and I start thinking about the good things that happened indoors. And the good things that happened outdoors. I can't hardly find anything good that happened inside. I go, we go to churches and every now and then we'll see, we'll see on the back of a church on the way out the door. Y'all might have had it in here sometime. I might have it right now. I don't know. But they'll have it. You, it, it, once, it once you leave, it says you are now, you are now entering the mission field. Mm. Did you know your Christianity starts? It's not in here. Yeah. Amen. Amen. This is like a clearinghouse. This right. is to train you and get you. It's what you are on Monday morning in the factory. It's what you are during the week. It's what you are in your home, not what you are. It's easy to stand up and sing songs in churches and songs of Zion in here. That's good, and I'm glad you do. You should. But listen to me. It's what you are outside. It's what you are outside. I, I find out that everything great that happened in all the Bible, in all history, happened outdoors. The creation, when God created this world, he created all six days of creation, and I think, happened outside. I think that's, I think that's where it happened. I'm, you're being like kind of facetious there. But the creation, when God made us, you wouldn't even be here if it hadn't been something that happened outside. The whole thing happened outdoors. No one in the ark. Those people got saved. The people that got saved, y'all got a little old replica up here. It's pretty cool. I appreciate the brother and sister that helped us last time we were here. They paid our way for our my wife and four kids and I to go see the ark. We didn't ever think we were going to see the ark. We saw the ark. We're on the ark. And it's funny, the day it happened, it was pouring rain. About to pour rain. had big clouds out there, mean-looking clouds. I thought, man, this is going to happen all over while I'm here. It's going to hit the flood. And, man, we went through there and we saw all those rooms and all that stuff. I thought it was pretty good. I'll be honest. I, got, I was impressed. You, you Kentucky people are known for all kinds of things that no other state has. You got the ark here. Hey, listen to me. The ark, that guy built that thing outside. Yes, sir. That's right. You had to get saved. You couldn't do it inside of a church. I didn't see anybody getting saved in the church. Everybody that got saved got saved out there on the mountaintop. Right there in front of God and everybody. 
You get Nick, you see it in Genesis. All those guys down, the heroes were all outdoors guys working with shepherds. Shepherds had to stay awake all night. The shepherd of Israel doth not slumber or sleep. God has to stay awake all night to watch out over his sheep too. You know what I'm saying? He never sleeps. And, and outside, outside guys. In Exodus, the Ten Commandments come. Moses was pretty much saved, you know, outdoors. You know, he lived on the, on the riverbank and creek. And, 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 you know, and they stuck him there to try to save him in that little basket. That was another little ark story. It was a different kind of ark. But listen to me. When that guy gets 80 years old, God called. He, the burning bush happened outside. That guy was an outdoorsman. He didn't, he, oh, he, he had sunstroke. He saw a burning bush. He had sunstroke. No, and that guy lived outside. Right. He'd been out there. He didn't want to fool him. He'd seen bushes catch on fire, but he never once saw one stay on fire 20 hours, 35 hours later. And, and, and two days later, that thing's still burning. He comes back by there, and he's, man, that looks different. He goes to investigate. That thing ain't burning up. And somebody starts talking to him there. The Lord starts talking to him. That guy, he did, you know, when you get the Ten Commandments, they got, they, they, it happened with a mountain man. Jesus was not no beach bum. Amen. Right. He wasn't wearing flip-flops That's and right. Bermuda shorts like you see. I mean, it, it, with the long hair like, a, you know, and, and, and it looked like some guy that you know, walked off in the movies. They got him as some guy that kind of just stepped off the New York Ballet with little girly hands and stuff like that. No, no, no. He wasn't trying to get in touch with his feminine side. He never did. Right. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. It said, Pilate said, behold the man. There wasn't no question about what he was. Right. Don't let Hollywood fool you. Read your Bible. Hey, listen to me. Moses got the Ten Commandments up on that top of that mount. When they parted the Red Sea, they, they had to put the blood outside their house. And on the two, top post of the two side posts, the three crosses is a picture. If you had to get saved, you had to get saved that, hey, that way. And listen, they parted the Red Sea, and they, that happened outdoors. The Red Sea miracle happened outside. Everything that happened that good happened. I could give you every one of them all through the Old Testament. When you go through, God could deal with people outdoors. Don't stay indoors too long. You'll turn green. Don't sit there in front of your TV and, and your computer and sit there and, and just stare at that thing. Hey, somebody's trying to get you. Don't you see what's happening? The box is getting smaller, and they're trying to get you in a box. COVID's trying to get everybody inside. I like wide open spaces. I don't like asphalt jungle. I guess it's the way I was raised. I tell you what, I'm going with the Lord. The Passover, <laughs> the parting of the Red Sea, all the great stories. You were skipping some of David and Goliath it happened outdoors, it happened outside. And when you see the the different stories, in, you know when the you know Elijah goes up on the Mount Carmel. And slays, you know, the firefalls and all those, those bell worshipers get slain. It happened outside. Everything happened outside. And then you skip over to the New Testament, and it's totally outdoors. The New Testament Christianity is outside. You can't tell me different. When Jesus Christ, when he got baptized, he got baptized by an outdoors guy. John the Baptist worked, you know, I mean, he lived in the desert. He never preached in a, he never preached in a building that we know of. And I'm not against church building. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying this. What, I mean, where is our forefathers? Where do they come from? 
He had half a locust in one hand, the other half had just gone down his throat for breakfast. Every time the guy preached, he's, he, he's eating bugs. He was an outdoor guy. Huh? He's sitting there absolutely. I mean, and, and, and a three-piece camel skin coat with a tie that matched. Amen? He preached. He did. Oh, John did. He had a camel skin coat. What do you think that smelled like? He didn't go to dry cleaners. He didn't, hey, hey, no, he didn't care what you thought. He just, he just, I mean, just lay down the gauntlet every time he preached. He preached on the riverside. He preached outdoors. He'd come out of the desert and he preached repent for the kingdom of heaven's at hand. He said the Messiah is fixing to come. I was just talking to him a while ago. I just talked to him a few minutes ago. And that was, it was his cousin. He's as close as a cousin to Jesus. That's what we need out of our preachers. And before that guy get done preaching, I mean, listen to me. Guess what? Before he get done preaching, he preaching Jesus was coming. Before he got done preaching, Jesus is coming. Jesus came. Hey, listen, we need to preach that message. It's a good message. Jesus is coming. I know they looked at him and said, we've heard that our grandparents told us that. And, and he ain't come yet. He said, you just hang in there, buddy. He's fixing to come. I got inside information. And before he got through preaching, Jesus showed up. We need some preachers that by the time they get through preaching, Jesus shows up. Matter of fact, all three members of the Trinity showed up when John preached. The father said, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. Here you hear him. The son said, baptize me, John. Uh, he said, I don't, I'm not even worthy to reach up and touch your shoes. I don't even deserve to reach up and tie your shoes, Jesus. You're so much better than me. He said, you're just the one I want to baptize me. You got just the right attitude. He said, he said, suffered to be so now to fulfill all righteousness. And oh, John baptized him. Yes, sir, Jesus, you got rank on me. And he said, he got him down that muddy Jordan River and baptized him with the rest of those sinners. Does baptism wash away your sins? No, it does not. Because why would Jesus get baptized? He didn't even have any to wash away. It's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection that was going to be coming. And that's how he kicked off his ministry was at the baptism of John outdoors and the Holy Ghost like a dove comes and lands right on Jesus' head. Are you listening to me? Yeah. He was an outdoors. He got baptized outdoors. It wouldn't hurt sometime. I remember growing up, my dad, we'd start these churches and we didn't have baptistries yet. And people just say, well, they're always, it's got to be just a certain way, a certain temperature, kind of lukewarm and all that. We never want it lukewarm, you know. And most of our, the baptistry's a little too hot. Some people get smoked, you know, and bubbles, and, and some of them are freezing when they get baptized. I don't know. But, but we try to get it temperature right. Hey, listen to me. Hey, hey, we got baptized outside when I was a kid. And my dad would baptize on the river. That's how America, the churches got going. What do you think they had baptistry? John walked 70 miles one way to get baptized. As far as I had, probably barefooted. I mean, Jesus, Jesus said John, Jesus walked 70 miles one way to get baptized by a certain preacher. And he was an outdoorsman. Guess what? When he started his ministry, he, the first four guys he called to be his disciples in 12 I got the first four picks I'm taking on my team or outdoorsmen. Yep. Peter, James, John, and Andrew. Are we okay? Yep. You tell me where they were. They, they, every one of them guys could skin a buck and clean a fish. Amen. Every one of them guys could skin a buck and run a trot line. Say amen. They were outdoors guys. They had calluses on their hand. Jesus spent 30 years as a carpenter. You can't tell me he had girly fingers. Outdoorsmen, outdoorsmen. And those guys were chosen. 
He said, I think that's how I, that's how I hang with. I like it. You can tell you're a redneck if you think fast food is hitting a deer going 75 miles an hour. Amen? <laughs> hey, listen to me. Outdoor, outdoors. I like outdoors. Watch out when they start laughing at you. Outdoors. Jesus Christ's earthly ministry was spent outside so much of the time. Kind of convicting sometimes. And you know what? <laughs> when it came time for Gethsemane, Judas, did, he'd been to all night prayer meetings with him before. He knew right where to find him, outside praying. One of the best places you can pray is get, get up in these mountains, get up in these hills, and get you a little old patch out there, and get outside away from everything, get you, get you get some bottled water, and just go out there and pray for a while. Your whole life will change. Listen to me. We're too indoors. Amen. We're way too indoors now. The devil's almost got us. Hey, listen to me. The Lord, his ministry, he slept outside. The foxes have holes. The birds of the air have nests. The son of man has not where to lay his head. They could not find. He never owned a speck of dirt on this planet. He owned the whole thing, but he never owned anything. He had to borrow a penny to illustrate a sermon one time. Read it. Anybody got a penny I can borrow? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a penny. You want a dollar or two? I'll just take a, I just want a penny. He had to borrow a penny. He didn't even have a penny. And he borrowed it, gave the illustration, said, here, you can have your penny back. Pretty cool. You ain't never met anybody like this. Amen. You get close to the Lord, hey, listen, there you are. And when it came time to Gethsemane, he prayed outdoors. Even when it came time for him to be the, mock, the monkey trial and the, the mock trial and the kangaroo court that happened in the middle, who in the right mind tries a guy in the middle of the night? That's how Jesus got tried. And then when he got crucified, they stripped him and whipped him and everything outside. And, they t- and then the public, they, they stripped him and put him up there and hung him up on the cross outside. He died outside. And Paul says later on in Hebrews, therefore let us go forth to him without the gate bearing his reproach. You know why it's good for you to pass out tracts and good for you to get somebody to laugh at you sometimes and take a little reproach for Jesus Christ? Because your Savior took that for you. Amen. These guys were outdoors guys. They spent time outdoors caring, caring for people. And, and Jesus died outside in public. Listen. And he was buried and he rose again. Outside. Hey, listen to me. Jesus Christ, when he ascended up to heaven, that, that was a great, great event. When he ascended back up to heaven on the Mount of Olives, that thing happened outdoors. Are you listening? The early church. Here's what they would say about the, the Romans hated the, the Jews. And, and, and they, yet they hated more the church. The government, the, the Roman leaders, the people in charge there, they hated the Jews, but they hated more the early church, the first century church. And they said the reason why was they took their Jesus outside of the temples and spread him all over the cities. That's what we need to do. We need to give out tracts. We need to tell people about Jesus. We need to turn our world upside down. Say amen. It's true. Amen Oh me. And the early church, we don't need 21st century church, do we? We need 1st century church. Amen? It rings true. When a preacher's right, I can just sell sell it. My kids, I'm glad my kids can see it. They said, Dad, that guy's got it. We've loved this preacher ever since we knew him. 
There's something about him. He, and, and he speaks with authority, not as the scribes. Hey, listen to me. Read your Bible. In the early church, they spent outdoors. It wasn't in the building that wasn't containing them. Our God's bigger than a building. I'm not against the building. Have the building. Enjoy the building. Hey, but listen to me. We, we, Jesus Christ, you can't lock him up in a building on Sunday morning. He's everywhere. And guess what? This thing called the rapture, I'm done. This thing called the rapture, I think it happens outside. I think it's going to happen in the cloud. I think he's going to, hey, he could step, he could walk on water. He's the only one that could. Oh, Peter tried for a little bit, but he couldn't, he couldn't do it very long. <laughs> hey, listen to me. Jesus could walk on water anytime he wants to. So if he could walk on water, he could step on a cloud. And one day he's going to step out on the cloud and blow a trumpet and your name's going to be called, every name of every safe person all around the planet is going to be called all at the same time. He's got all that power and that ability and all that knowledge and knows everyone whose name, who person is redeemed and everybody, hey, listen, you, you, I'm going out on the first truckload. Amen. I'm going out. I ain't waiting around to go through the tribulation. No, no, no. You can hang around and stay in this box if you want to. They're trying to close in on you, man. I'm going to a place where the, the, the city is so many furlongs. That sounds like something in Kentucky. At the Kentucky Derby. Sixteen furlongs. It's, a, it's 15. They measure it off. 1,500. The city I'm going to live in is 1,500 miles wide. 1,500 miles long. New Jerusalem. And 1,500 miles tall. Three-dimensional. You got enough room for everybody. They've measured it off. Everybody in heaven will have a mansion that will be a mile long, a mile wide, a mile tall. You talk about wide open spaces, you're going to like it. You want to get enclosed in. These people worry about uh, secondhand smoke and all that. What happens? What's going to happen when Al Gore, that's just so scared about somebody like that, and all these guys that are climate control guys? There are all these founders of it. When they get to a place called hell, where you're inhaling smoke the whole time. Right. Amen. The smoke of their torment will send up forever and ever. They'll have, they may win for a while, folks. They're going to have a chapter or two. They're going to have an inning or two. They're going to have a game or two. It looks like they're winning. You stick with Jesus Christ. <laughs> you stick with the Lord. He's the comeback kid, and he's the comeback king. And you stick with Jesus Christ, and you're going to come out just fine. You're going to come out with everything you say. I don't get a lot down here. I haven't got a lot. Somebody said, the, the, the stick with the Lord, serving the Lord. The pay may not be much, but the retirement benefits are out of this world. Are you listening? Jesus Christ is coming, and that thing's going to happen outside, and I like it. I like everything you read about, and I just want to encourage you tonight. I want to encourage you. What's your outdoor life like? You're in church. I like this. You're making a statement, and I'll close with this. You're making a statement every time you get up, 5 o'clock, you ought to be here on time ahead of time. Amen. Every time you a ten o'clock service hits a Wednesday night at six or seven, whatever you do, I don't know what time. Hey, every time you get up and leave your neighborhood, and they see you, you're being a witness in one way. You're being a witness in that there's something bigger than watching some rerun on TV or my favorite team probably is going to get beat anyway. 
50 percent of the time, you know. And and uh, it's something better than the best ball game they put up there on Sunday night. Amen. There's something better. There's something more important. There's something bigger online. And I'm leaving. And a lot of times when we leave, we're running a little late. And so us Baptists are known to try pretty fast on the way to church. None of y'all have ever been guilty of that. I'm sure you haven't ever been. But you pass, you might pass people up a little bit, you know. And you're in a hurry. We're on a, in a hurry to get somewhere. And a church, the word church means called out assembly. And what, you know what you're doing? You're leaving. Every week in this world is seeing you. See, there's something bigger than where you sitting in the dirt here. One day, we're, we're getting up and leaving this place. And we're going to be with the Lord. We're going to be with the Lord when we go to the church house. That's where we're going. They laugh at you. They laugh at you. But you're making a statement. You're making it. You keep making that statement. And you'll be in good practice for the rapture. Because it's going to happen in a hurry on a certain time. And God's going to tell you when that is. And he's going to call your name. And you're going to be a called out assembly. And you're going somewhere else. I'm bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I'm bound for the promised land. Let's stand tonight.